1: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could
2: conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: All righty, we continue. This is Zach Gelb's show, coast-to-coast on CBS Sports Radio, hour number two of our radio program. Here's the poll question today. You can always find it at Zach Gelb, at CBS Sports Radio, as it has to do off of Cam Newton saying that one day, uh, when you look at uh, Dak Prescott, he now currently believes that he is a game manager. So we ask you, is Dak Prescott going to be a Hall of Famer? Right now, early returns, 84.4% say no, 15.6% say yes. So overwhelming returns agree with me that he is not a Hall of Famer. But with that being said, it doesn't mean he's a trash quarterback. It doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback and that's where I took issue with what Cam had to say. And, yes, Cam's opinion should be respected. Cam is an MVP or was an MVP of this league. But I also think a lot of his criticism now of quarterbacks is based off of jealousy because they're still getting an opportunity to play. And he believes that he's better than these quarterbacks where Cam has not had the honest look in the mirror with himself because Cam, I saw him in New England be underwhelming. And then he got the opportunity to go back to Carolina. And he just didn't have any juice left in that arm. And from a physical standpoint, it stinks because it's tough to play in this league and play in this league long. Like, I, I really do think Tom Brady changes the way that we now view quarterbacks. Because he is the standard. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's the winningest quarterback of all time. But he also did it longer than than anybody. You look at Brady's final five, six years of his career, you can make a case that that was the best he ever was consistently. And he is an enigma. He is an anomaly. And now it's okay. Brady's out of the league. We've also had an era of all-time great quarterbacks of Peyton Manning and Drew Brees as well all play like at the same time, Big Ben, a lot of Hall of Famers, and now they're either a year out of the game or a few years out of the game, and because we got spoiled with such great quarterback play, we're expecting the next great wave of all-time ridiculously great quarterbacks, and we expect those guys that are currently playing now to be the guys of the last 20 years, and not everyone, no crap, is going to be Brady, is going to be Manning, is going to be Big Ben, is going to be a Drew Brees. So you look at the top four quarterbacks in football right now, I would say it's Mahomes, I would say it's Josh Allen, um, you clearly have Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts. They're all well on their way, especially Mahomes, and now it's okay where are you going to stack up from an all-time great standpoint, but there is a fall-off where there's a lot of guys in the top ten where I don't know how many of those guys would have been in the top ten about ten years ago. When, when all these guys were really humming and you had all these guys playing at this elite, ridiculous level. And now we're looking for that new wave. And at times, there have been quarterbacks that have dominated. And then other times, there's been guys that had a bad year, then bounce back, have a great year, then have a bad year. So we're all trying to figure out where to kind of group uh, these quarterbacks together and see who are going to be the next great generation of quarterbacks in the NFL Uh, But Cam calling Dak a a game manager, I think a lot of that is marinated in that Cam still wishes he was playing, and he thinks he's better than some of those guys. Where right now, Cam gets on the football field in Dallas tomorrow. He's not having the Cowboys looking like where Dak Prescott does have him uh, right now with this football team. We'll have uh, Deion Dawkins up in just a moment from the Buffalo Bills as the Bills are are just starting to turn things around. Needed a, a big victory up against Kansas City, and they got it. And now Buffalo, who had Super Bowl expectations before the start of the season, we're starting to look at where Buffalo is going to be trending in the final four weeks of the season with a big game on Sunday up against Dallas. And then you have uh, the Rams, the Patriots, and then the Miami Dolphins. And you go from Buffalo really doesn't have a chance. Buffalo's not going to be a playoff team to now Buffalo has new life. And some people are now starting to make that case for Buffalo uh, to win the division once again uh, with Miami coming off that choke job up against Tennessee and those two teams meeting in the uh, final week of the season. So hopefully we'll be able to connect uh, with my college buddy, Deion Dawkins, in just a bit, who's having a sensational individual season for the Buffalo Bills, and he's well on his way uh, to making another Pro Bowl and uh, once again is another uh, nominee, another year for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. And as uh, we wait for Dion, as I see he's uh, connected in the Zoom, you just look ahead to this weekend of games uh, coming up. You got three on Saturday, Minnesota at Cincinnati. You got Pittsburgh at Indianapolis. You got Denver at the lions. And then when you go to that Sunday slate, you know, it's not the best Sunday slate that we've ever seen, but you do have a really uh, good four o'clock window where you got Dallas up against the bills. You got Baltimore up against Jacksonville, you know, even San Francisco at Arizona is intriguing with just Kyler Murray as a quarterback and um, after that, like uh, Washington and, and the Rams is not a good part of that 4 o'clock window. But then on Monday night, uh, you do have the Philadelphia Eagles at the Seattle Seahawks. And that is a big one because it's a big bounce-back opportunity for Philadelphia in a tough spot going to Seattle. But more for uh, so for the Seattle Seahawks, it feels like their season, even in an NFC that has not uh, been strong towards the bottom, it's more top-heavy where we're still trying to figure out what the wild card teams are going to be, it does feel like this week the Seahawks season is on the line, having lost four in a row to the Rams, the 49ers, the Cowboys, and the 49ers again. And then you do get uh, the Philadelphia Eagles coming up this weekend. And if they lose this game, even though you're at home, uh, they would fall to 6-8 and eight on the season. And then you start to look at the lay of the land um, in the uh in the NFL and you start to wonder where the Seattle Seahawks are going to be heading towards also as we wait for Dion as I think we're just having some connections connecting uh, Dion Dawkins up, um, maybe we could just get him on phone guys if if the zoom uh, isn't working uh Bill Belichick's future with the New England Patriots is one that's going to be talked about uh in a big way, and I did see that Tommy Curran uh, was talking at NBC Sports Boston last night that he already says that the Patriots made that decision after their loss to the Colts in Germany. And uh, they already made that decision to move on from Bill Belichick. So we're going to wait and see if that actually turns out to be true. I just have a tough time believing that with how few leaks did occur at one Patriot place for a long time, and we did not see that many things become public, I would have a tough time when you're debating or you're maybe deciding on moving on from a coach that has been there for 24 years and has won six Super Bowls. I would have a tough time thinking that Jonathan and Robert Kraft are going to leak that out. Or they're going to let many people know of what that decision is, and they're going to allow that conversation to potentially become public. Like, if, Kraft, if the Kraft family has made that decision to part ways, whether it's via trade or it's firing Bill Belichick at the end of the year, I do not think they're going to leak that to a reporter um, in Tom Curran. I I, I just don't. don't, And Tom Curran's been at this for a long time, but I don't think that's the way that you're going to treat your legendary franchise-changing coach in the final four weeks of the season. There is a good chance that Bill is not going to be back next year, but this idea that it's one thing to think the decision is already to be made, but then they would leak that out and they would want that story out. That's the tough time that I have when I evaluate that story. And that's also the other thing. All right, how many people know about this decision? And I would only think it's going to be Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft. And then maybe, and I don't know, like I, don't, I think if Bill was told that he's going to get fired at the end of the season, I don't think he's going to want this out there and getting this made available uh, to the media. So I don't think that's going to be the case. All right, we have Deion Dawkins here right now from the Buffalo Bills. Bills had a massive victory last weekend in Arrowhead up against the Kansas City Chiefs. Deion Dawkins is a two-time Pro Bowl and also a two-time Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. And more importantly, he's one of my good friends from college at Temple University and always enjoy when we get a chance to connect with Deion Dawkins. Big game this weekend for the Bills up against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Deion, how you been, my friend?
4: My dog,
3: Zach, was goodie. I appreciate oh, you dog. coming on, and thanks so much nah, for doing this. Yeah. I, I got to start you off. We know you guys have been through some battles, some wars, going up against Kansas City, and they haven't always gone your way. Your season yeah. was on life support. You know how badly you needed that win. To walk out of that stadium with that victory, what is Deion Dawkins thinking about when you were walking off the field knowing the magnitude of that
4: game? Uh, it was a it was a beautiful feeling, man. Um the feeling was just of all in like kind of like awe, right? Like we were going through all this stuff all week about McDermott and about some things maybe with Josh and, and the Buffalo Bills organization, all this little weird distractions that could have been in distractions then to pull a win out. However, we pulled it out, and we left there with a a win just showed that, you know, the football gods were in our favor.
3: You guys have been through some real-life stuff the last two years. Like, losing football games is one thing, but you guys have fought through a lot tougher stuff than that. Being 7-6 and now, getting that big win, knowing that you still have everything in front of you, do you feel like finally there's some new life in Buffalo and you guys are starting to feel like your old self once again, since it felt as if throughout most of this year, that older version of the Bills that you've been through the last few years was
4: starting to move in the wrong direction. Yeah, Zach. Um, definitely felt like we're moving in the right direction. Uh, we're taking it step by step, even though we're seven games in. No, seven plus six. So we're 13 games in, right? So we're, we're 13 games in, and... We've had a lot of hiccups. We had a lot of changes, but this is only our maybe third game with a new offensive coordinator, if I'm correct, or fourth game with a new offensive coordinator. So it's like a new season within the season for us, and we understand that um, it's different. It's different. We have a different guy calling the shots now, and it's just going to go in a different way. And uh, because of that, it's a different mode. And um, we really understand – the position that we're in and over and over and over again. Like we've been the Buffalo Bills team that is just right there. It's just right there. It's just right there. And we're tired of it. Like we want to, you know, push that in and we have to. And we're on a good track now. I don't want to say that that we're reborn like rebirthed, but we have a lot of confidence in ourselves. Like we feel like ourselves again. And it's a good feeling to you know, walk with with that confidence again that, you know, Josh is back to being Josh and everything is going on the right cylinder.
3: With all that being said, there will still be some people that look at you guys and go, ah, they're seven and six. Ah, they're a fraudulent football team. Ah, they're not going to find a a way to get the job done. What do you say to the people that are still doubting the Buffalo Bills after a big weekend and a big win (laughs) up against Kansas City?
4: you know we've been that our whole careers most of the guys here have been that you know we come from most of the guys that are the core of this team are not the overly top superstar guys that have had that golden rug their whole life so we understand haters is gonna hate the doubters is gonna doubt but you know the snow effect is real and uh The snow is just going to keep falling and we choose positivity in our snow effect and negativity. So we're going to keep being us and keep doing what we do to to try to keep the people that use their mouths to speak negative, to use their mouths to speak positive. And that's just the way it goes. Like there's good and there's bad. There's doubters. There's non doubters. People are with us. They're against us. They're either on the bandwagon or they're not because I remember a season ago two seasons ago, everybody was bills, 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 bills. And now, you know, a couple of things have gone wrong, I guess. And, you know, everybody's, you know, some people are doubting and some people are still with us, but we appreciate the people that are still rocking and you've been a good, a good friend to myself and always and told me just to keep it going. Like, but like, it'll turn. And I appreciate that. And my teammates know that about you and we understand that there's good and, and there's bad, and people are just going to be people, and regardless, Zach, and we know that. And and from being and growing up and going to school at at Temple, like, you know, Temple, we're, we're underdogs. You know, Buffalo Bills, we're, we're underdogs, and that's just the way it is. You know, everybody loves the glitz and the glam, and everybody wants to be a part of of a winner. And soon we'll let everybody have that option to be a part of a winning team, which we don't want.
3: And Deion Deion Dawkins here with us. You know me. Like, if you guys stink, I I tell you that you stink. And you guys have not played wonderful football this year. But at 7-6, and a big win up against Kansas City. The AFC being open. I I think you guys could go make a run this year. And maybe you, you find a way with your backs up against the wall to see the best version of the Buffalo Bills the rest of the season.
4: I think so, too, man. And positive plays after positive plays. Big wins, small wins, more W's. No else is how we'll and get it done. And we understand that we have a tough uh, situation, but anything is possible. And we're not looking for and for hope. And we're looking for us to just be us, which is the Buffalo Bills. And when we're true to us, you know, we're a scary team.
3: So uh, obviously a lot was said last week. You know, I said some things as well about your coach in, in Sean McDermott, uh, but for you personally, you working with him for so many years and having a good relationship with him, Uh, What do you want people to know about the type of coach and human being Sean McDermott is?
4: Well, McDermott's a Philly guy. Uh, He's as real as they come. He's as real as they come. He's a family guy. He's true to himself, and he's different, as we all are. You know, he is a a nail and grit guy. He's a no-mess-around guy. He's a straight-to-the-punch guy, and uh, we appreciate him. I am a Sean and McDermott guy and he's my dog and we rock with him he's our leader and we'll swing fight claw punch kick whatever we have to do for that guy and uh he's a real a real one man and he reminds me of my coach that i had at temple which was matt rule and coach Wees. um like those guys are are guys that take it further than fo- football like they Get to know and what's your personal life. They get to know your family. They get to know your situations, your individual situations, which everybody has something going on. But McDermott takes the 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 overall time that he doesn't have to to ask and actually care. And when things come up and we need stuff stuff done, you know, he allows it to and be done. Like, yep. But I understand Dion has something going on today. Go like go ahead, Doc. Like go ahead and handle that. And for an organization like this, uh, a powerhouse of the NFL, where he could just be like, look, man, my 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 butt is on the line. I got to worry about wins. But he cares about his players. And that tells everything about him, that he cares about his players high key more than he cares about himself. And I love him for it. And he's a true one. We've been rocking for it in seven years damn near should have a Sean and McDerm- McDermott tat. So, you know, he's a, <laughs> he's a, he's a real one.
3: Dion Dawkins here with us. There's been a lot of chatter coming from Kansas city about the officials in the aftermath of that game. I don't get why Kadarius Tony was lined up in the wrong spot. How have you reacted to some of the complaining Mahomes and others have done this past week?
4: You know, Zach, uh, as I pull this up, you know, um, the officials have done multiple things over and over. Like even this, <laughs> right? This, yes. this is a this is a holding call, right? They're they're showing
3: that, a holding call on Deion Dawkins. That's what he's showing right now.
4: And I saw that in the moment. I'm like, that ain't holding. It's 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 ridiculous. So um I don't want to take no shots at the officials because they're not all bad. And there is things that go missed and some that need to be seen. And I understand it. And they're not perfect, but man. Uh, if we can get fined for 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 little things that go on, I, I just feel like everybody should be held accountable. You know, if if they throw a flag and it's holding, and we review it and it's not holding, they should get fined. And if Tony is offsides and he wants to appeal it, and it's not, then it should be re- reversed or something should happen. But but it's just it's just not fair. It's just not fair that certain things go on, but he was. I mean, I hate to say it, he was off sides. You know, you got to pay attention to the details in this game. It's a detailed game, and, you know, that will cost you games, as it did the other day. What stands out to
3: you in your preparation with the Cowboys? We know how good of a team that they have, and Micah Parsons is having a great season, but when you look at that defense, what jumps off the page?
4: Well, 11, Micah Parsons does. uh, 90 does. uh, All of them do but uh they play well together and they're playing good football right now when it counts and uh dac has been doing a good job of leading and it's showing and um we understand that they're a tough team they're they just beat the eagles which was a team that we lost to and they're playing great ball so we have to be on our a game and we have to have a good script and a good game plan to get this done and um You know, 11 is coming to wreck a game. And as an offensive lineman, I understand what my job is. And I got to go out there and keep 17 upright.
3: Last thing I'll ask you, uh, back-to-back years, you're nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. We know how big you are and how dominant you are on the field. But off the field, you know, that's where I'm really proud of you because you're the same person that I met when I was at temple. You haven't changed. You have a good heart. You always want to give back to the community. I remember when you got drafted by Buffalo, I said to you, "Uh, you're going to be a rock star uh, in that community. And you'll really fit in uh, with that fan base. Just take us through more. So people understand who Dion Dawkins, the person is off the field and all the great stuff you do in the bills community. And also really uh, around the entire United States.
4: Yeah, man. Uh, of course, Zach. Of course you want me to tell you about the inner snow, right? <laughs> um uh I'm a I'm a people's person, man. I I I'm one to to just care. Uh some and sometimes I care too much. And sometimes it could be bad, and most of the time it can be good, but I I care. Like I lead with and my heart, I lead with my passion, and I lead with myself and I let God also lead the head spear. And um, I'm just a true person. Like I don't beat around the bush. I shoot it straight. I give my true organic self to whatever is needed and wherever I can help. And uh, the community is just one. Buffalo embraced me from day one. I went to temple which was not a powerhouse school, like which I always say it wasn't an example like an Alabama or an LSU or Auburn or Texas or Tennessee, like one of them giant schools that have that that rapport of stardom and and superstar status and big time ball. So I went to Temple and not that it humbled me, but it made me, You know, be thankful for every little bit that I have because we didn't have a a sold out crowd every week. We had two sold out games my entire college career, and that was Penn State and Notre Dame game. And majority of the fans there were both Penn State fans and Notre Dame fans. So when I got to Temple and they embraced me, um, I'm kind of living out in my dream. I feel like that I'm playing at Alabama and right now or I'm at Clemson at one of those big schools or Florida where every week it's jam packed and they have embraced me in their community and as an athlete. And I feel like it's my duty to give them everything of myself off. And I continue to just show my passion. I I, I show my true self and um, I truly live through that. And I give them my true self and I'm vulnerable with Buffalo which is what I think and I hope and that they see. I give them my vulnerable self, and that's just true. Uh, but that's me. Uh, Snowman is 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 my alter person. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Buffalo is true, and I'm thankful for him. Every bit of it, from top to bottom, from good to, to bad, uh, Buffalo has transformed me into, you know, a better person.
3: He is Deion Dawkins of the Buffalo Bills, two-time pro baller, should be a third-time pro baller this year, and uh, is the back-to-back Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee for the Buffalo Bills. Deion, my friend, always great to catch up with you. Thanks for doing this.
4: Love, Zach. Always, brother.
3: There you go. Deion Dawkins from the Buffalo Bills. Always love our conversations uh, with him. Uh, Try to find someone that's more real than Deion Dawkins in the NFL, I don't think. You could find that person, just the definition of a good, genuine human being that's also a monster on the field and delivers a bunch of pancake blocks each and every week. We'll take a break. We'll come on back. And This is Zach Gelb's show on CBS Sports Radio.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
5: Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So another
3: day, another incident with Draymond Green. Surprise, surprise. And here's the disappointing part. I'm not even going to really yell. I'm not going to show my frustration towards Draymond Green because he's in the wrong once again. And he'll take no accountability once again. But the problem is the Golden State Warriors because the Golden State Warriors enable Draymond Green because they're afraid of Draymond Green. And last offseason, they had a chance to distance themselves from Draymond Green and say, we appreciate you, we love you, we will honor you one day, thank you for the championships and your banner, and your jersey number will hang on a banner in our rafters forever. The Draymond Green-Golden State Warriors relationship should have ended at the end of last season. But it didn't. They're afraid to move on from him. They believe he's so important to this team to try to win another championship, and they elected to reward him, and they elected to bring him back. And then this is like the fourth or fifth incident in the last 16 months that we've now had to deal with with Draymond Green. And every time Draymond goes, oh, it's not the way that it looked, or I didn't intentionally do that, and it's a bunch of just bull bleep, quite frankly. When you have this resume, and when you have this history, you don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. Like if last night with Yusuf Nurkic, that was his first incident where he's backing him down. He goes to turn around and then he hits him. All right, maybe you have a case. Maybe I'd be open to believing that you did nothing wrong. But how many more times do we need to see what Draymond Green does and just say what Draymond Green is? He's someone that if he's on your team, You probably love him, but if he's not on your team, he's a villain and you can't stand him. But even with the way that for years they thought he was needed on that team, it's almost at a point that they're so far in deep with Draymond that they don't know how to get out of it because they fear what's going to happen when they say, we don't want to deal with Draymond Green anymore. But the juice, not the first time he's saying this, the juice isn't worth the squeeze anymore. And this core is a legendary core. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green. Clay's not the same player as he once was. Draymond Green's not the same player that he once was. And Steph's there. And he's still lead. He's still great. And I wonder what's going through Steph Curry's mind. Like I wonder what is honestly going through Steph Curry's mind. Because we'll play you right now, Steph Curry. This is Steph Curry on Draymond punching Nurkic last night and this is what Steph had
4: the competitive spirit that you have um, the physicality that you play with um, but you can't give people <clears throat> people reasons the lead, reasons to look at you a certain way and to have to go you know judge and jury every single incident that happens so it's tough because we need him out there and Obviously, the ejection changed the momentum or the emotions of the game, but that's going to be his challenge. You know, and we're here to support him, here to have confidence in him to be able to do that. Yeah, because we we obviously need him to win.
3: You don't need him to win. And that clip, he didn't say it, but knowing how jovial Steph usually is, even Steph Curry, I think is. Tired of having to deal with Draymond Green. Because, yeah, he could sit up there and say, we need you to win. He could sit up there and he could say, oh, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. Because of your history, you need to find a way to control that. That's as critical as you're ever going to hear Steph Curry. And he tried to put a nice cherry on top of the Sunday at the end. Oh, we need you to win. But Steph right there sounded dejected. Steph sounded frustrated. And I don't blame him. Because they have bent over multiple times. For Draymond Green, and I've done everything for Draymond Green, and you can't go a month without something popping up where he's in the wrong. Here is uh, Draymond Green on uh, punching Nurkic last night and the whole
4: incident. As I've said before, any replay, you know, if I go look at every replay of everything, a replay is it's never going to look good, you know. But like I said, I know my intentions. My intentions were to sell the call. You know, I also don't think I'm. At, accurate enough puncher to do a full 360 and and, and connect with someone. Some I, I hit him. So I do apologize to him, because, and I didn't intend to hit him. You guys have known me long enough. If I intended to do something, I'm not apologizing for it. Um But I did make contact with him, so I apologize because it wasn't my intention. With him Again, I'm swinging away. Like, he's holding my hip. I don't know if any of y'all ever play against Nurtric, but he's strong as sh- I'm trying to just spin away out of him holding my hip like this. And, and my momentum continues forward and, and hits him. I just don't believe anything he says.
3: It's impossible to believe anything he says. Because he's talking about, oh, any replay could show everything. Well, your replays always show that you're in the wrong. Or there is a line and you cross the line. But that's the, the Draymond Green playing victim card to get, oh, yeah, come on. You know, if I was intensely trying to hit him, I would tell you I'm intentionally trying to hit him. Why should I believe anything you say? It's like the boy who cried wolf. It, it really is. And finally, here's uh, Yusuf Nurkic on the uh, Draymond punching incident.
0: What's going on with him? I don't know. Personally, I feel like their brother needed help. And I'm glad he not trying to choke me. But <laughs> at the same time, it nothing to do with basketball, man. Like I'm just out there trying to play basketball. You know, they're swinging. I think we saw that often, but... Um, Hope he, you know, whatever he got in his life, get better. Nurkic is
3: like, I could be worse. Could be Rudy Gobert getting choked in a in a game for basically just trying to to stop a fight.
6: So something he said there, which I thought was interesting, is like, I hope he gets help. Right? At what point is it no longer about punishing Draymond? And at what point does Silver sit down with Draymond and say, "Listen, dude, like I get what your shtick mm-hmm. is." But at a certain point, dude, like you're becoming a danger to the game. You're choking dudes and punching guys. Like you punched your own teammate last year. You choked a guy and you punched another guy this year. It's getting out of hand. It's one thing. To like be on edge Like Bruce Bowen With uh, with the Spurs Back mm. in the day You know some of those You know uh, Bill Lame Beer Who used to line guys Coming down the Right there, there was There was a fine line Between being tough And being a dirty Disgusting dude And that's what Draymond's turning into He's dirty He's disgusting And he's just He's a he's a shell of himself He's a caricature Of what Draymond Green You know was That became this like Crucial part of the Warriors championship team Now he's just kind of Like a cartoon part of himself
3: Yeah and and I'm I'm not a psychologist, so so I, I can't get into the brain of Draymond Green. Like, is this a separation from the basketball court? And then when the dude's away from the basketball court, I don't have a damn clue. But whether it's punching or kicking people in an area that no one wants to get kicked in, whether it's choking an opposing player, grabbing the legs of an opposing player, or doing a 360 spinorama and having a fist hit another player, it's just too much. And everyone likes a villain in sports. You need a guy that gets under people's skin. But at an eventual point, it's a detriment to the team. And we've seen it be a detriment to the team. It cost them a championship against LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, they ended up winning another one, right? And they've won others, obviously, more than one. But even in, like, there was a lot about being said about Draymond in that uh, series up against the Celtics. And he eventually won. So it happens. It's a cycle. I just don't think they're winning another championship again. And when you're winning, it cures all. But eventually, this act's going to get old, but it's just so far down the, the road here. When now it gets old and they go a few years from winning, it's going to be like time for Draymond Green to retire and then probably go do TV. All right, right, Zach Gelb, show CBS Sports Radio. We'll come on back. Should Tyreek Hill uh, play this weekend for the Miami Dolphins? Update time first. Here's the act man, Rich Ackerman. All righty, Zach Gelb Show, CBS Sports Radio. Week is quickly flying by as it's already a Wednesday. Um, Tyree Kill, day-to-day with an ankle injury. We all saw what transpired on Monday Night Football. He got injured at the end of that first quarter. Then you thought he was going to be done for the night. Even when he came back out after halftime, they it didn't have any tape on his ankle, and his helmet was nowhere in sight. So I just assumed that Tyreek Kill was uh dunzo, and he wasn't going to come back in that game up against Tennessee. He eventually does come back, plays uh, sparingly down the stretch, in and out of the lineup because only so much pain you could take when you're dealing with an ankle injury and you rely um, on your speed and all on, on your feet to go separate yourself from defenders. And now there's questions on will Tyreek Kill play this week? I don't think he needs to practice to play this week, but I don't see why you would play him. Because there's, there's no way. And I understand the Jets have a good defense. But after the Jets getting a huge victory up against the Houston Texans, does anyone expect the Jets this weekend when this game is in Miami to go there, see back-to-back good games by Zach Wilson, and also see victories up against the Texans and the Dolphins in back-to-back weeks? I just can't envision that. And the Dolphins have so much talent. Whether it's Raheem Mostert, who's like closing on nearly 20 total touchdowns on the season. I think he's at 18. You got Jalen Waddell. Right? There is enough on the offensive side of the ball for you to be able to score 20 points probably. If that, to take down the New York Jets. So I would not play Tyreek Hill this week. And I think it would be a massive mistake. For the Dolphins to play Tyreek Hill because without Tyreek Hill, this Dolphins team, they're a good team, but they're not going to go to a Super Bowl. They're not going to win multiple playoff games if you don't have Tyreek Hill. And their schedule gets tougher. You play Dallas. You play Baltimore. You play Buffalo. And there's a chance you don't win the division now. I still lean that they're going to win the division, but the division... Is not going to be impacted this weekend because Tyreek or not, I would be floored that we come in on Monday and we're talking about the Jets winning back to back games with Zach Wilson and the Jets winning back to back games, taking down the Texans and then taking down the Dolphins. So I would be cautious here. I would be overly cautious because the schedule does pick up in intensity, even though I still think they're going to win the AFC East. Now it is becoming a question and the opponents get a whole lot tougher from here on out. And let's just have an honest conversation about Mike McDaniel too. I think a lot of people like Mike McDaniel because of the story and he's fought through so much adversity. And I'm glad that he he continues to fight these demons that he's had um, in the past. Like I have a lot of respect for Mike McDaniel, but Mike McDaniel's got that tab of this innovative, bright offensive genius it was amazing to me and alarming to me where whenever we talk about the Dolphins, we discuss, oh, you have Tyreek Hill and you have Jalen Waddle. And how many other teams would love to have Jalen Waddle as a wide receiver? And he would be a number one wide receiver on a lot of teams. But it's kind of nuts to me and surreal that in that game, they didn't use Jalen Waddle similarly to how they would use Tyreek Hill. Because just losing Tyreek Hill, it's an impact. It's a loss. Heck, I believe the guy should be the MVP of the league. But it shouldn't be to add a point where your offense looks as if they don't even know how to function. And that was the part up against a well-coached Tennessee team, even though the uh, Titans are not a good team this year. For Mike McDaniel to not make that adjustment after losing Tyreek and not being able to find some resemblance of success. It was a bad look for Mike McDaniel. And Mike McDaniel has sort of skated free from that game. And most of the attention, and you know, I'll give credit to Hawkman and Crowder going with them every Wednesday in football season on uh 560 WQAM in, in South Florida. You know, they brought up this point. I think it's a very fair point with a ton of uh validity to it. You know, the conversation this week has been Tyreek and Tua, Tua and Tyreek. And pinning one up against another. Who's more important? Up Tyreek showed you why he's more important. Look how bad the offense was without Tyreek. Up two is not a league quarterback. All these things that you hear. And there's some truth in that. But just because one thing is true. Doesn't mean there can't be other truths. And when you look at. Mike McDaniel. Up against Tennessee. That was a bad coaching job. By Mike McDaniel. But if Mike McDaniel realizes how to use the other talent when you don't have Tyreek, it should still be good enough to defeat the Jets. And Tyreek, let's say you rush him out and you play him up against the Jets just because you feel like you have to play him and he's not at a good enough percentage of health and you do further damage to that, you are jeopardizing your season. Because you could beat the Jets without Tyreek. I don't know how many more victories you're going to get. If Tyreek's going to have to miss some more time or you play him and he does further damage and he's not able to be there for Dallas and Baltimore, maybe he returns for Buffalo and then is there for the playoff run. So it's kind of weird because you never know how a season's going to go. You really don't. And we sit here and we pontificate and we make uh clairvoyant predictions all throughout the off season. And some, you make, and you're like, oh, that's ah, a pretty damn good prediction. Others you make, and you go, wow, that was really bad. But usually when everyone has the same take, usually something else happens. And everyone's similar take over the summer was, Tua can't stay healthy. Dolphins have a great team, but Tua can't stay healthy. And I saw that. I remember I said this to Ian Eagle on this show. I go, that's why I'm picking the Dolphins this year. It's close between the the Jets, the Bills, and the Dolphins. Forget about the Patriots. I'm picking the Dolphins because no one's expected them to win the division compared to the other two teams. And Tua will stay healthy. And Nakamura, it's only 14 weeks of the season. Tua has been able to stay healthy. And now it's like, oh, their season's all going to be dependent on Tyreek Hill staying healthy. And that take is not wrong now. Because Tyreek this year is having one of the finest seasons you'll ever see from a wide receiver. And even if this means that he misses the next few games, but then he gets fully healthy and he's back for the playoffs and he maybe costs himself 2,000 yards, costs himself the MVP, I'm fine with that. Because the goal for the Dolphins should be taking advantage of an AFC that's not strong this year. Baltimore's the best in the AFC right now. After that, Chiefs are vulnerable. Right, I'm making a case for the Bills to go to the Super Bowl after one win up against Kansas City. The Dolphins have still everything in front of them. The Jalen Phillips loss is enormous on the defensive side of the ball. That is a a game changer for them. But on the offensive side of the ball, when you combine all three phases of this team, you know who their best player is. You know who their most feared player is. It's Tyreek Hill. And to risk playing him this weekend against the Jets would make no sense to me. Because he does further damage, and it prohibits him from being at his best in the future for the rest of this season. This team will quickly make the playoffs, and they'll quickly go home as well. Because Tyreek is that part of the team that fears every defensive coordinator and keeps every defensive coordinator up at night a lot when they're preparing for the Dolphins. righty, Zach Yelp shows CBS Sports Radio. We will take a timeout. When we come on back... We got a whole lot to get to in the third and final hour of the show. We will squeeze in a news brief sometime in the final 60 minutes. I also want to touch on these two topics that will be on on the table for the final 60 minutes. Big Ben commented about the Steelers tradition being over. Let's delve into that and also a lot of rumors that Robert Kraft and reports from Tom Curran, who's a long-time well-respected reporter, that Robert Kraft has already made the decision to move on from Bill Belichick after the season. Where should Bill Belichick go? We'll discuss that when we return. This is Zach Gelb Show. But where else? CBS Sports Radio.
5: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.